It's been a long road getting from there to here. No, it really hasn't. I... <laughs> no, we're not singing that again. Yes, it's been a long No, time. Jen. I don't think you understand. We're not ever, ever singing that again. Look what we've created. A monster. A monster, he I tell you. He keeps playing it. I know. He likes it. People like us. They think it's funny. I know it is very funny. But that's not all we but are. But my time is Okay. <laughs> This is Angela, <laughs> and that's Jen, <laughs> and you've been listening to Treks and Sci-Fi with oh, our friend for- Rico. We forgot to say we're from the Anomaly Podcast. Doe. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Angela and Jen. That's uh, Angela and Jen of the Anomaly Podcast, soon to be on iTunes, uh, which they are diligently trying to get it up on there. Uh, but you can check them out uh, still online. I will put a link to their uh, site on the podcast notes for this week. This is, of course, Treks in Sci-Fi, and I'm Rico, your host. This will be podcast 168 for April the 6th, 2008. We're going to do a Deep Space Nine episode this week, folks. Uh, going to look at the excellent two-part episode that started the fourth season of Deep Space Nine, the Way of the Warrior, which uh, introduced Worf to the crew and Deep Space Nine show. Or to the crew of Deep Space Nine, I should say. So that'll be coming up later on the show. We're going to have our usual uh, beginning segments, a little bit about the Trek movie, other movie news, TV talk, uh, a little bit about the new uh, fourth season of Battlestar Galactica, which has just started. Frack, yes, finally. And uh, all kinds of things, a collectible later on, and, and just all kinds of fun things on this show in between. So stay tuned. I'll be right back. Rico. Re, 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 Rico. Drexen Sci-Fi. Drexen Sci-Fi. Captain. Incoming message weekly dose of sci-fi and star trek information shut up wesley shut up wesley i know this ship like the back of my hand okay again welcome to the show everyone thanks for joining us again 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 <laughs> again on treks in sci-fi i'm rico your host as always uh good bit uh kind of got a lot of stuff to talk about this week. I kind of don't, trying to organize my thoughts and not knowing exactly where to begin. Uh, let's get some of the business out of the way. Uh, this is, of course, Treks and Sci-Fi. If you want to visit the website, treksandsci-fi.com, we'll get you there. Visit the forums, the podcast notes section, the collectible gallery, all good stuff. And for the voicemail, 206-666-66127 is the the voicemail line, send in your reviews of movies, TVs, books, comics, whatever you happen to be reading or watching. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Also, a few things uh, going on. Uh, the uh, T-shirt sale is still going on. Uh, you have a link uh, at treksandsci-fi.com. Also a link on the forums to order your cool new slick black uh, Treks and Sci-Fi T-shirt. And to, to talk about that a little bit, we have another little... Uh, audio uh, extravaganza here by Rick Moyer, and his daughter, I believe, is in this one. So listen to this, and I'll be right back. What are you doing, Dad? I'm working on my taxes. That's special. Yeah. 
Everybody's got to do them, though. Why didn't you put your shirt on yet, Dad? Oh, well, the deadline's April 15th for my taxes, and that's the same deadline as the new t-shirts from Trex and Sci-Fi. They're really cool. Hint, hint, 25 bucks gets me this great black t-shirt with the Trex and Sci-Fi logo on the front that, that has Spock in the iPod, and then on the back it says www.treksandsci-fi.com. Don't you think it'd be a cool t-shirt to have? Okay, great. Well, you can order me one. Make sure you do it before April 15th. When the taxes are due, so is the money for the t-shirt. Got it? Okay. All right. I'll go do it now. Thanks. Bye. Well, thanks to the Moyers for putting that together, Catherine and uh, uh, Rick Moyer, and I always appreciate their contributions to the podcast. Uh, yeah, they get the money in. we got about a, a little more than a week to go uh, to order your uh, cool new t-shirt. Doing a bulk order again. You can pick your size. 25 bucks shipped to you. I will uh, put the bulk order in after April 15th, after all the orders are in. And after I get the shirts a couple weeks after that, I will mail them to you. This will be, uh, I try to do about one or two of these each year. So it'll be probably not till late this year, the fall, or, or maybe even towards uh, Christmas before I'll do another t-shirt run. So if you want a Trexan Sci-Fi t-shirt to wear at all the conventions and cool movies this summer, here's your chance. What's the latest on the new Star Trek movie? Let's find out. Well, the latest on the Star Trek movie, of course, I think I announced last week that uh, principal photography had finished. Probably over the next few weeks, the the news for the movie is going to sort of dwindle and slow down a bit. There are some reports and things still coming in. Uh, One thing is that a lot of the cast of uh, all the various Trek series especially the original cast, got a chance to visit this set, I guess, when they were filming. The latest report that I'm reading is about Walter Koenig, uh, who, uh, of course, played Chekhov on the original Star Trek. He got a chance to visit. Here's a few things he had to say. I'm reading this. Uh, He says, I think it's great. I'm sure they'll do a terrific job. I visited the set at J.J.'s invitation and watched the actors work. I thought they were onto something good. Only time will tell, but I can't believe that with their conscientiousness and loyalty to the original concept that it can't be anything but a success, which is pretty high praise from Walter. He's uh he's a you know, I think a very good judge of this type of thing. He's acted, directed, he's a writer, he he's got a good movie sense and I think he's got a good film sense. So that's uh some pretty good praise uh he he also had a few things to say about Anton Yelkin, who's playing the young Chekhov in the movie. Uh, he said, uh, I suppose the only way it would have been uh, upsetting would be if they had cast a 71-year-old. But I told J.J. that we only lease these roles, but I am rooting for them. I feel that if they succeed, it carries Star Trek on. Being part of that mythos and legend is very gratifying. So, again, some very good words from Walter about uh, what he saw here on the Star Trek set as he watched some of the actors work. There are also some pictures still floating around, some some slightly newer ones, uh, more about that shuttle. I think I talked about that last week. Uh, those can be found online still. It, it's looking pretty good, though. I think most people have been pretty happy and impressed from what they've seen when they've had a chance to visit uh, when they were filming. And now, of course, the long kind of arduous task of all the post-production, editing, special effects with ILM ILM doing the work. Uh, I mean, this movie to me can, you know, at least on the the look of it and all the money and effort they're putting into it, can't fail to impress, I think, just about everyone. 
the story and the acting and all of that kind of remains to be seen. But I think if most people, again, I've said this many, many times, go into uh, watching this about a year from now, a little bit more than a year, uh, it'll be you know early May of 2009. It's it's going to be a good time. I really I really firmly believe that. I have uh, very little doubt that this is going to be a a good um, good start off to sort of a new series and a new take on Star Trek. So we're looking forward to seeing it in about a year. What's going on in the world of sci-fi? Wondering what the frack is going on with BSG? Here's the deal. On the planet Caprica, a crusty old Battlestar named Galactica is being retired as a kind of museum. A Battlestar is like a great big aircraft carrier, but instead of airplanes, they've got vipers and raptors and other cool spaceships. No frackin' way! Here, frack is a swear word, papers don't have corners, and there's more than one god. Oh my gods. The guy in charge is Commander Bill Adama. He's ready to pack it in when a phone with a cord rings. It's the Cylons. We are at war. Cylons were robots invented by humans to use as slaves. Over time, they evolved. Now there are 12 humanoid models. Some actually look like models. The crew on Galactica snaps to action. Starbuck is a hotshot Viper pilot. Apollo is Adama's son. Commanding Officer Ty is drunk and thinks the attack is a joke, but it's not. Damn it. A school teacher named Laura Roslin steps up to the plate. They make her the president. Except... On Caprica, Boomer and Hilo have to decide who stays and who goes. Hilo gives up his seat to Gaius Baltar, a brilliant scientist who could save the human race. But it turns out Baltar was having an affair with the hot Cylon. number six. And he's probably the one responsible for all the exploding things. Now he thinks he sees her everywhere and it's driving him mental. No! The last survivors of the human race join up in a ragtag fleet of ships, following the Galactica through space, where cameras have a difficult time keeping up. Adama tries to give the people some hope by talking about a mythical planet they've only heard about in ancient scrolls. And Earth will become our new home. The people are happy. But then he says, What the frack? A Cylon called Leoben shows up on Galactica. Adama kills him, and Roslin tells everyone, Cylons look like us now. And now they think Boomer's a Cylon. Turns out they're right, and just like all Cylons, there's a whole bunch of Boomers. Hilo's still stuck on Caprica, getting chased by Cylon Centurions, the big metal robot models that were made to kick ass. One of the Boomer Cylons helps him. Can he walk? They frack Cylon style and her spine lights up. Roslyn tells Apollo that she has cancer but wants to keep it a secret. She takes an herbal drug that makes her see things. It helps them find another Leoben on one of the ships. Well, that was uh, that's a little excerpt from a very cool video that the Sci-Fi Channel put together called uh, What the Frack. Uh, if you search on YouTube or just go to sci-fi.com, you'll see it. It's a... Basically, about an eight-minute recap of uh, the three seasons so far of Battlestar Galactica, and I just love the voiceover and the the little funny lines, you know. And there's in space these ships fly, but the camera can't keep up, and and things like that. And and it's just uh, a lot of fun to watch, and it, it really does a pretty good job of bringing you up to date if you're not on on the new Battlestar Galactica, which of course came back this past Friday night, uh, at least in the States, on the Sci-Fi Channel. And uh, I have to say, the first first episode of the fourth season didn't fail at all. I thought it was a great episode. They're really uh, cooking and all really back on all burners or whatever you want to say. It's just a great show. It's always been a great show, but I, I think as the years have gone by, it's gotten even better. One of the great uh, things about the Battlestar, the new Battlestar Galactica, for me at least, I think, are how interesting the characters are and how how good the actors are. I mean, just there isn't a really a weak link on the show at all. It just, it really is a great ensemble cast. It's probably one of the best casts of actors ever in a sci-fi show. I've I've just been totally impressed with it over the years and. If you're a sci-fi fan or just a fan of good television, you know you you really owe it to yourself to be watching uh, Battlestar Galactica. It's I'm not going to talk too much about the details of what's going on in the show. I don't want to really spoil it for anyone if you haven't seen it or if you're not caught up uh, on the show. 
but it's uh, it's great. You should watch it. I'm sure there's lots of ways you can find these episodes online, DVDs, uh, digital downloads, just all kinds of things. So there's really no excuse if uh, if you've got the technology, at least you should be watching. Battlestar. It's just a, an amazing show, and I'm really impressed. It's going to be a little sad when it finally ends. Uh, I'm a little uh, not quite sure how this is all going to work out. I know they got affected by the actor strike, and I also know that they only have about half their fourth season finished at this point in time. So from what I know, at least, I think we're going to see about 10 or so episodes now, and then there's going to be some break before we're going to see the last part. It could be many, many months even. So I I just wanted to throw that out there for everyone so you're not too shocked when we get to about two, two and a half months from now and Battlestar goes away again for a period of time and they don't really finish the fourth season uh, for a while. I'll have to check into, uh, you know, if they've started back on the show or how they're doing that. Uh, there was talk even before the strike happened that they were going to split this fourth season into two parts and maybe have even a year go by uh, in our time, you know, that they'd show the first half of it right now this spring, and the the other half would come about a year from now. I hope it's not that long. I really hope we don't have to wait till uh, you know, next March, April, after we go through this first half of Season 4 to see the last half. That's going to be rather, uh, that's going to be difficult and kind of annoying a little bit. To, you know, I, I just feel that that's sort of, uh, you know, if they take that long to do the episodes because of the strike, I can understand it a little bit better. But if they're just holding them back, trying to stretch this whole thing out uh, for advertising or what other, you know, other reasons for the network, rather than giving the fans what they really, you know, deserve, I think at this point, I think that's kind of wrong. So I, I just hope that doesn't happen. It, it's it's really difficult w- with the way TV is working these days. And I think that, you know, they always say that they're being... Uh, pushed and heard a lot by computers and downloading and and just all kinds of other ways dvds and things but you know they're not doing themselves any favors for doing these kinds of scheduling things i know some of this has been out of their hands due to the strike but we will see how that works out but anyway besides all of that stuff uh, battlestar is back and i know the people that are uh, fans of the show are very happy about that just all kinds of interesting things happen on the the first episode of season four. Lots to think about, lots to uh, ponder as as we go through this last season of Battlestar. And Caprica should be firing up here, too, for uh, next year. That should be an interesting show. The same uh, crew and behind-the-scenes people, Ron Moore, David Icke, are working on that series. So that, I think, is going to be pretty interesting as well. So we will keep everyone up to date on Battlestar as it goes forward. When you're not listening to Treks and Sci-Fi and our friend Rico... Please listen to the Anomaly Podcast. You can find us online at anomalypodcast.com. That's A-N-O-M-A-L-Y podcast.com. Got a few other uh, sci-fi bits of news and tidbits about movies and television. Uh, Heroes, let's uh, just briefly mention that. It it appears that uh, that origin series is pretty much officially dead now at least at this point in time. Uh, you never know about this stuff, but that should, uh, you know, possibly, you know, maybe it'll come back sometime. Who knows? But that is not at this point being worked on. But Heroes will, of course, be returning 
uh, with an expanded third season opener that's uh, coming will be coming up on NBC on September 15th this fall. They decided to not, uh, as some series are doing with the after the strike ended uh, for the writers, they decided not to try to put together a few episodes and show them like some other shows are showing, like you know four or five new episodes now after the strike and, and made a few more. Heroes decided not to do that. They decided to take the time, sort of, uh, sort of re-energize, revamp the series a little. I know there was a lot of uh, yeah, discussion about how the second season wasn't all maybe it could be. They took things in a direction that a lot of the fans I know were not super happy about. I had some misgivings about it, but I still enjoyed it. Uh, but I thought that they kind of were trying to sort of reboot or redo season one almost again. And I, I didn't think they had really learned from that, That you know, a lot of different things. But anyway, season three, uh, which has sort of been subtitled Villains, I guess, that will be coming back in uh, September. Professor, this really is a dead end. Come on, genius. This film is not yet rated. Well, there you heard a very uh, little short, uh, brief uh, spot that's been shown up online and on TV. It's a little 30-second Indiana Jones trailer. A couple little new bits in that uh, with uh, Shia LaBeouf. Uh, how do you say his name? LaBeouf? LaBeouf? <laughs> He's uh, calling uh, Dr. Jones professor, and uh, there's a little scene with a little trap going off, and uh, it's uh, it's looking like a great movie. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, George Lucas has been making some comments They've been talking to him and interviewing him, and he's trying, it seems he's trying to sort of calm everyone down and saying, you know, look, this isn't the second coming. It's a movie. It's Indiana Jones. We made it because we enjoy it and enjoy the character and had fun doing it. Uh, But I think because of his reaction that he got to to The Phantom Menace, I think he's trying to to calm people down just a tad uh, about the movie. But I don't look at that as a bad thing. I mean, uh, there are a lot of people that take these things uh, a little too far. I just want to go in and have a good time. I think it's going to be fun, and it, it will be Indiana Jones on the big screen again, and that will be great. That comes out, uh, you know, the end of May, Memorial Day weekend. And the other uh, big movie coming up here just in a few weeks, Iron Man, of course. They've been showing a lot of stuff for that. I'm almost starting to see or seem like that uh, this is one of those cases where I've seen a lot of the movie already in all the trailers and footage that has been popping up Uh I was watching, I think, the Sci-Fi Channel, uh, which I have a comment about that in a minute, but I was watching that uh, with Battlestar and some other things, and they were showing some uh, new footage there of Iron Man. Uh, And I have to mention, I just discovered last week that I have uh, the Sci-Fi Channel in HD. I was setting up my HD TiVo to record the new season of Battlestar Galactica, and lo and behold, I have another HD station available through Comcast, and I have Sci-Fi in HD, which is pretty darn cool, and is nice on the big HD TV, so that's exciting. And it's about time, you know. The Sci-Fi Channel seemed to take forever, and for one, for you know, the kind of futuristic high-tech network to be sort of seems like behind the times on HD always seemed a little strange to me. But now I at least have it, and I hope some other people listening also can get Sci-Fi in HD as well. 
Okay, I'm going to take a, uh, a brief little musical break interlude here. Uh, I'm going to play a song for you. I think uh, you may enjoy this, and maybe some people know about this, and maybe some don't about this uh, particular person singing. Uh, the, the person singing in this next song is Chase Masterson, who played uh, Lita, uh, the Dabo girl, on Deep Space Nine during its run. And she has a really nice voice. She put out this uh, uh, CD album, uh, I think a couple years back, called Thrill of the Chase. And I think if you go, I think she's got a, a website. I'll put a link to this in the podcast notes. I think it's just maybe chasemasterson.com. But you can order her CD uh, via some links there. And it's a nice, it's sort of a throwback 40s, 50s style band, big band music kind of uh, with uh, her singing. And uh, she's, like I said, got a really nice voice. And I think this song is a lot of fun. So uh, this song is Chase Masterson with the song You'd Be Surprised. He's not so good in a crowd, but when you get him alone, you'd be surprised. He isn't much at a dance, but then when he takes you home, you'd be surprised. He doesn't look like much of a lover. Don't judge a book by its cover. He's got the face of an angel, but there's the devil in his eyes. He's such a delicate thing, but when he starts into squeeze, you'd be surprised. He doesn't look very strong, but when you sit on his knee, you'd be surprised. At a party or at a ball, I've got to admit. Nothing at all but in the Morris chair You'd be surprised He doesn't look like much of a By its cover Cause he's got the face of an angel But there's the devil in his eyes He doesn't say very much But when he starts to speak You'd be surprised He's not so good at the start But at the end of a week You would be surprised On a streetcar in a train you think he was born without any brain but in a taxi cab and when he starts to grab I said a taxi cab you would be surprised this one's a real danger Yeah, it's a great song, isn't it? Uh, she has a really nice voice. Uh, I love those kind of tunes. Uh, not a huge fan of that era, but I don't know. There's just uh, something appealing about some of these Star Trek stars and doing that kind of music. And, and I like to listen to some Frank Sinatra, I have to say, now and then. So check out uh, ChaseMasterson.com. I did check it out during uh, listening to that song while I was recording it. 
and that is the website, chasemasterson.com, and click on the music link there. Also, she has another CD out, it seems. It's called Ad Astra, and I'm going to play just a brief bit of one of the songs in there, a favorite song of mine uh, called Pure Imagination. So here's Chase again with a little bit of that uh, song on the other CD, Ad Astra. Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Take a look and you'll be in a world of your imagination. We'll begin with a spin, traveling in a world of my creation. What will be will defy explanation. Okay, so I gave you that little teaser there for some more uh, Chase Masterson music. Uh, so check it out. I'm going to have to order that one as well. I don't have that one yet. And, and she also, on the other CD, uh, Thrilled the Chase, she'll autograph that for you when you order it. So that's kind of nice. I've seen her at conventions uh, a few times. She's real nice in person. She's doing a lot with the troops, too, with her... Uh, uh, making appearances and singing and doing a stage kind of performance for them. So that's great, and uh, seems like a really great gal. So uh, anyway, great gal. What am I again, 80? <laughs> uh, a lovely woman, let's say, Chase Masterson. And now we're going to move off into, uh, well, the show that she uh, was on, uh, Deep Space Nine and The Way of the Warrior. All right, I'm going to start off the discussion here, have a little of this background music playing while I go. Uh, this uh, set of episodes here, uh, it was uh, starting the fourth season. They decided to make some changes to Deep Space Nine. It had still been doing well in the ratings, but Paramount wanted to kind of shake things up a little bit. And, of course, the biggest change for the fourth season was the addition of the character of Worf from uh, TNG onto Deep Space Nine. And it, I think it was a great addition. Uh, Michael Dorn, I, I, I always enjoyed his uh, wharf on TNG. Of course, TNG had uh, finished by that point in time. They had done the first movie, Generations. And Worf was, uh, you know, he was kind of like a, a Klingon in Starfleet without a, a starship. And it, it was a good fit. Out of all the characters probably that were on TNG, he probably made the most sense. You know, you couldn't bring over Geordi. You already had O'Brien as a good engineer. Uh, Picard and Riker would be out pretty much. Uh, then, you, you know, you go down the list a little bit further. It, it's just the Doctor, possibly, but you had Bashir. So Worf was a character that would fit in pretty well, I thought, with the the crew and cast of Deep Space Nine. And, you know, he was always a little rough around the edges, and Deep Space Nine was that kind of show anyway. So, you know, again, it was a, a good fit. And Deep Space Nine also did quite a bit with the various... Um, the the Klingons over the years, what I was trying to say, grabbing my mind or thoughts. So it, it made sense to fit him into the Deep Space Nine group. Uh, what else? Uh, they made some a few little other subtle changes to the show. Kira kind of got a new costume for the fourth season. 
the the opening credits were a little different. The musical arrangement for the theme was changed to a degree, a little more amped up, uh, and, and just uh, a few little things. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Dr. Bashir, uh, who played, uh, or Sidig Al-Fidel, I, I don't know if that's how you say his uh, original name, he changed his name in this season to Alexander Siddig in the credits, and a little bit more of a an easier name, I guess, for an actor to use in Hollywood, and a little less difficult for a lot of people to say. And this was also the season that he and uh, Nana Visitor started to really kind of uh, become uh, very, very close, and eventually, of course, got married, had a son. They they eventually divorced, but. Uh, they had a, a relationship both on on screen and off screen, and that started uh, pretty uh, pretty much in this time frame. So, give you a little bit of background of uh, where this uh, episode fits in and, and what was going on in Deep Space Nine at the time. The episode itself, uh, this was I think when it was originally aired was aired in one block. They aired it over a two hour time period. It wasn't broken up. And I'm not really as I go through the episode, I have some clips. I'm not going to really break the episode up. You know, like this was part one, this was part two. This this one really kind of meshed together. There wasn't a, there there is kind of a break point in the episode, but it's it's not really one of those very distinctive two part episodes like they did in Voyager and and on Deep Space Nine as well. This one was again, I think it it it's best to view it all in one shot. I guess is what I'm saying. So. Uh, the big story here in this episode, of course, is the the Klingons kind of show up at Deep Space Nine, and, and they're kind of, yeah, they seem to be a little more upset and a little more ornery than than even Klingons normally are. And this at this point, the Dominion has, has sort of been discovered. They're kind of a threat, and the Klingons feel they will start to infiltrate the Federation, possibly through Cardassia, and that puts the Klingons and the Federation at odds. And with all of this going on, uh, Cisco decides he needs a little Klingon help, uh, you know, somebody who understands Klingons, and that's when he pulls Worf into the into the fold and onto Deep Space Nine. And I think it all makes sense. It's a good episode, a good set of episodes. Uh, it is uh, the the episode's written by Iris Stephen Bear, who was one of the the lead writers. He basically had the writing staff on Deep Space Nine, and Robert uh, Hewitt Wolf, who of course. Uh, went on to work on Andromeda, that show, uh, and uh, also a, a regular contributor to the writing of Deep Space Nine, directed by uh, James Conway, these episodes. so, And this is also, I think, a good chance these episodes gave most of the characters on the show quite a bit of good things to do, some more than others. And, of course, you had to introduce Worf to the to the uh, station and, and had that situation work out uh, and fit in. So and let's get into... Uh, Let's get into the clips. The first one is just early in the episode and the opening kind of uh, one of the opening times and scenes before the theme credits are playing. So play this clip and I'll be back in a minute. The new Klingon flagship. The Nagbar. There's a General Martok on board asking to speak with you. Put him through. Captain Sisko, I bring you greetings from your allies in the Klingon Empire. Welcome to Deep Space Nine, General. Is there something I can do for you? It has been a long journey. My men require shore leave. Certainly. They can come aboard anytime they like. Good. So it's done.
Yeah, so the Klingons show up, but that was Martok, who eventually uh, goes on to appear quite a few times in Deep Space Nine, played by a great actor, J.J. J. Sorry, J.G. Hertzler, uh, who is also uh, playing uh, a Klingon on that new Star Trek of Gods and Men. Uh, oh, also Chase Masterson is also in that Star Trek of Gods and Men as a Orion, a slave girl, so uh, in green in that one. But <laughs> I digress. Uh, this uh, again, the Klingons show up. Lots of ships are on at Deep Space Nine, and it creates some tensions and difficulties on the station. Klingons aren't, you know, the most mannered and the nicest, uh, and they're a little grumpy, basically. And and the uh, the idea with this and what the Klingons were going through was they were looking for a fight. You know, Klingons are warriors, you know, fighters, and for a number of years being at peace with the Federation, they haven't really had a battle and a, and a war to fight, and they were kind of itching for one, and that's sort of the premise here a little bit. And now with the Dominion threat, that kind of gives them the opportunity to to sort of, you know, let loose a little bit. Uh, oh, a, a couple other comments. Uh, Avery Brooks here in this episode, or in the start of the fourth season, started to become, you know, the, he was, uh, you know, shaved head Cisco or bald Cisco. He came back, he had the little goatee, and he had shaved his head, which gave him that, you know, kind of a tougher, meaner appearance. And I think it added a lot to his character. And a little bit of background on that, I guess they were a little bit concerned when they, they went to the brass at Paramount and said, hey, is it okay if our, our lead actor here, uh, Cisco, you know, Avery, is, is shaves his head for for the season and, you know, and for the subsequent seasons is, is the way he kept it. And they were looking for a big fight, and they had some test footage they were going to show. And I guess they walked in and uh, found out Paramount, oh, yeah, that's fine. He looks good on him. So uh, they, they didn't have any any real battle there to fight at all. And I guess Avery Brooks liked that look and appearance and, and wanted to keep it. So he had a lot of uh, a lot to do with that uh, situation. And I think because the later season's becoming very war-oriented and battle-oriented, uh, like on Deep Space Nine, I think it, again, suited his character. He became a lot tougher, and with everything that was going on, it made sense, I think, for him. So a good a good look. It always, it always kind of looks a little strange when you see him in the early seasons with hair, and then, you know, he has no hair here. It's kind of like the Riker beard thing in TNG. So um, let's go on with the episode. This episode also features uh, Cassidy, uh, played by Penny Johnson uh, as you know Cisco's kind of girlfriend pops in now and then she's this she has this ship and and freights cargo around and one thing that happens here is the Klingons start to search ships coming in and out of the area in Bajoran space because they're worried about the Dominion and changelings getting through the wormhole somehow and and slipping into um, the Federation slash Klingon space area so uh, there's a scene where uh, they try to detain. Cassidy's ship with a tractor beam and, and search it and all that and of course Cisco jumps into the rescue I can't get through to Cassidy they're still jamming her communications hail the Klingon vessel this is Commander Kabak of the Mjar what is it you want? I want to know why you stopped that ship we have orders to search all vessels attempting to leave Bajoran space search them for what? for shapeshifters each ship will be scanned its cargo searched and its crew members and passengers subjected to genetic testing. On whose authority? On the authority of Gowron and the Klingon High Council. Klingon High Council has no jurisdiction over ships in Bajoran space. We assumed you would welcome our assistance. Do you have any evidence that there are changelings aboard this particular ship? How can we have evidence until we conduct our tests? Commander, 
Bajoran law strictly prohibits any unwarranted search and seizure of vessels in our territory. I have my orders. The Klingon ship has increased power to its tractor beam. It looks like they're preparing to board the Zosa. Major, raise shields. Power up the forward phasers. See if that gets their attention. Shields up. Forward phasers standing by. They're still not releasing the tractor beam. Fire warning shot 200 meters off their starboard bow. Yes, sir. Commander Kabok would like to speak with you. Let's hear what he has to say. Captain, this is outrageous! I agree, but you leave me no choice. You're violating Bajoran law. Now, I will ask you one last time. Release that ship immediately. We are your allies. Major, lock phasers on Imchar's engines. Prepare to fire on my command. Phasers ready. This this episode brings up some interesting things. You know, they're they're very uh, the Klingons being you know kind of warriors and suspicious. They, they'd rather just pretty much shoot first and ask questions later. And of course, that's not the style of the Federation. And it's kind of parallels some things that happen you know in society and even in our time right now with you know privacy and unlawful search and seizures. And and I can remember you know right after nine eleven, a lot of things like that happening so it's it's interesting now to watch these episodes again with everything that happened in the last you know five six years uh around uh, the united states especially so uh interesting stuff and it's uh it really sets i think a good uh, situation up for warp to pop into and uh, there's a discussion i think the next clip here between jadzia and cisco about how to handle what's going on and the best way to handle it is uh to get a klingon so listen to this clip the longer the Klingons are here, the worse things are going to get. Whatever you decide to do, you'd better do it soon. Curzon told me once that in the long run, the only people who can really handle the Klingons are Klingons. Get me Starfleet Command. long time too long welcome aboard just what the station needs another klingon Come on. yeah i like the core or uh, yeah quark's line there about the, you know the the klingons hadn't really been uh, making themselves very friendly they beat up garrick uh because you know he he just disagreed with their uh their tone and what they were trying to do at Quark's bar at one point, and, and uh, they go into his uh, tailor shop, and they're, of course, very suspicious of the Cardassians. And this this episode is a lot about those preconceived notions and prejudices and and those kinds of things, and, and basically saying, well, if there's one bad Cardassian, then you're all bad, or if there's one you know bad Klingon, you're all bad, or, or those kind of things. And, and the same thing with the changelings that kind of run into Odo at one point, and and try to, um, you know, 
push him around, although he's not easy to push around, so they don't get very far with that one. But uh, And then uh, the nice thing about this is how I think how nicely Michael Dorn and, you know, the character of War fits in with the group here and the various characters. And there's a few little things, subtle things that you pick up on in this episode, especially, I think, with Worf and how he deals with Jadzia. There's a scene where they where they fight each other when he's training on a holodeck. I'm not sure if I captured that clip. I don't think I captured that one. But they set up some things. The writers, I think, were in the people working on Deep Space Nine were already starting, starting to think about the future and how Worf's character would fit in with the crew and he did the, you know the various relationships and who we would become friends and close with and who we wouldn't so much and and all of that so I think there's a lot of things in this episode now when you watch it uh, after what happens in the later seasons uh, you can see some things that are sort of set into motion here and that uh, leads me to this next clip which is Worf I think this is in uh, Quark's bar and he's meeting some more of the uh, Deep Space Nine crew. So listen to this. Dr. Julian Bashir, Lieutenant Commander Worf. Care for game of dots? I do not play games. It's like poker, but with pointed tips. All right, and think of it as target practice. The object is to throw this dot and hit that board over there. Aim for the dot in the middle. Well, you saw how he was acting. I can't believe you did that. Well, he didn't leave me any choice. Wait, wait, wait. What does she do? She knocked out Lancelot. He kissed me. He's supposed to kiss you. But I was playing a married woman. Uh, Lieutenant Commander Worf, this is Lieutenant Commander Jadzia Dax and Major Kira Norris, our first officer. Nice hat. <laughs> Worf always has the great one-liners like that. Nice hat. To, he says to uh, to Kira there. They're they're in. They're been kind of in this episode. They're playing around in the Holly Suite, Jedzia and Kira in different different uh, scenarios. Uh, and and this one is uh, something out of King Arthur and and all that time. And they come down in these big sort of gowns and tall hats and and. Uh, like ladies of the, of the Middle Ages, and, and Worf looks at the hat, and, you know, he's like, nice hat. That reminds me of that other line he used, uh, or several that he had in TNG. I remember the one when he was uh, holding or, or the baby of uh, Keiko, and O'Brien uh, was crying or upset, and he, and he said, this child is not happy. I always use that now when I, whenever I see or I, I hear a crying baby. I always think of that line after that. So uh, Worf gets some good lines in in TNG and in Deep Space Nine. So uh, there's a couple things going on with Worf in this episode that I wanted to mention that I don't really have that much captured on audio. Uh, he's basically at this point, and in, in, there is some of this towards the end of the episode I know I did capture, he is thinking of taking or, or leaving Starfleet. He is this sort of lone wolf Klingon. He The Enterprise is gone. You know, it was destroyed at the end of uh, Generations, and, you know, he's feeling a little lost. He was on this planet sort of studying um, with these other Klingons and, and kind of trying to find himself, basically. And he is he tells Cisco a few times in this episode that he's he's thinking of resigning his commission and leaving Starfleet. And Cisco, of course, has had his ups and downs along that path as well after the death of his wife and everything. But, you know, he fa- he finally came to realize that Starfleet was basically what he was 
suited for what he was best at, and then he'd always be a Starfleet officer. And so that kind of parallel situation between what Cisco has gone through and what Worf is going through now fits in well with this uh, this set of episodes. The next uh, clip that I have for you, this one is a scene between uh, Martok and Worf, uh, who are pretty respectful of each other. And I, and I, I really like the character of Martok. I, I'm glad they kept him around, although at this point in time, they didn't know that. They they hadn't really necessarily planned for him to be sort of this re- recurring character or recurring uh, Klingon character on Deep Space Nine. But he uh, really comes off well in this episode, and I think that made a, a good case to bring him back many times over the next seasons. So listen to this clip. The House of Mortok is an honored one with a proud tradition, but I must know why you are here. I'm here under the authority of Galron himself. I'm carrying out his orders. That should be all the explanation a Klingon warrior needs. You forget. I am not only a Klingon warrior. I'm a Starfleet officer, and Starfleet deserves an explanation. They will get one soon enough. Until then, know this. My mission will determine the fate of the Klingon Empire. Interfere. And you risk destroying us all. Yeah, you can see they these two, uh, you know, big Klingon warriors respect each other, and uh, I love, uh, you know, J.G. Hertzler there playing Martok. I love his voice. I think he just, you know, fits a Klingon so well and does a great job with that. Uh, the next clip, this one's fairly long. Uh, this one discusses the whole thing that Worf has discovered about what the Klingons are really up to, and then it leads into uh, the next uh, scene that happens. So uh, this one's a couple minutes long, and uh, I'll play it for you right now. Cardassia? Why would the Klingons want to invade Cardassia? According to my source, there has been an uprising on the Cardassian home world. The Central Command has been overthrown and power transferred to civilian authorities. Even if your source is correct, what does that have to do with the Klingons? Galron and the High Council believe the coup was engineered by the Dominion. Do they have any proof? None that I know of. But they are convinced that civilians could not have overthrown the Central Command without help. So, by attacking Cardassia, they think they're protecting the Alpha Quadrant from the Dominion. Cisco to Dax. Contact General Martok. Tell him I need to meet with him immediately. Yes, sir. Mr. Worf, I know this hasn't been an easy assignment for you. No, it has not. But I knew this day would come again when I'd be forced to choose between the Federation and the Klingon Empire. Maybe you don't have to make that choice just yet. I don't think there's any need for you to be there when I meet with Martok. I would prefer to be there. I cannot avoid responsibility for what I have done today. I must compliment you on your intelligence network, Captain. One day you must tell me how you learned of our plans. General, how I got the information isn't important. I think it is. And so will Gowron. General, I want you to call off this attack. And what do you propose we do instead? Stand by and allow the Dominion to take over the Alpha Quadrant? You have no proof that there are any founders on Cardassia. The change in government is all the proof we need. And what if you are wrong? That would be unfortunate. 
for the Cardassians. General, the Federation Council has made it clear to me that they cannot support your plans to attack Cardassia. Are you saying the Federation will sit back and do nothing while Klingon soldiers give their lives to protect the Alpha Quadrant? Starfleet will not participate in an unprovoked invasion. Then the victory will be ours, alone. General, I would advise you to reconsider. The Federation Council has informed Gowron that if the attack goes forward, it will jeopardize our treaty with the Klingon Empire. Yeah, and that's a key point. Uh, as good good set of uh, clips there. The you know the the situation. You know, they're an unprovoked attack on another enemy, even if it's the you know Cardassians who aren't really our best friends, would would really strain relations between the Federation and the Klingons. So that that's what really happens in this episode and what takes place here throughout. By the end of it, uh, things aren't very good between the Klingons again, and the uh, Federation and Starfleet. So, and Worf there, you know, caught in the middle again, uh, you know, between Starfleet, like he said, and his his people, his, you know, the Klingons, and trying to do what's right, even though, you know, he doesn't really agree with what's going on in the, in the idea of this attack. It's still sort of a betrayal, and, and Worf feels, you know, feels like he's betraying his kind and his people. So a difficult thing, and uh, well played by Michael Doran again. Uh, this uh, next clip, this is kind of uh, a little bit about the end of this alliance, and I think this is sort of towards the end of the the first half of the episode. So listen to this. Well, what does the Federation Council say? They've decided to condemn the Klingon invasion. In response, Garan has expelled all Federation citizens from the Klingon Empire and recalled his ambassadors from the Federation. You're saying he cut off diplomatic relations? He's done more than that. The Klingons have withdrawn from the Kittimer Accords. The peace treaty between the Federation and the Klingon Empire has ended. Captain, you're never going to believe this. A Klingon ship just decloaked off Upper Pylon 3 and is requesting permission to dock. They claim they have Chancellor Gowron on board. And he is demanding to speak with Mr. Worf, personally. Yep, so things are uh, looking pretty grim for the, the Alliance there, and I like their reference there to the Kittimer Accords, you know, which happened towards the end of Star Trek VI, the movie, and the peace treaty there that started between the Klingons and the Federation is kind of ending after all these years. So a big big thing to happen and uh, really shook things up in, in the universe of uh, Star Trek and everything there. The next clip, this one I kind of like. This one's kind of a fun, uh, it's not really that much to do with the episode completely, but uh, here uh, Chief O'Brien and Worf, who of course served together aboard the Enterprise, kind of are sitting down in Quarks and kind of reminiscing about their days aboard uh, that ship and, and everything that they went through there. So listen to this. Do you remember the time we rescued Captain Picard from the Borg? How could I forget? It was touch and go there for a while. There were a couple of moments when I thought we were all going to wind up being assimilated. I never doubted the outcome. We were like warriors from the ancient sagas. There was nothing we could not do. Except keep the holodecks working right. I have decided to resign from Starfleet. Resign? 
What are you talking about? I have made up my mind. It is for the best. Look, I, I know how much you miss the Enterprise, but I'm sure they'll be building a new one soon. It will not be the same. The Enterprise I knew is gone. Those were good years, but now it is time for me to move on. And do what? I do not know. I thought I would be returning to Baroth, but now that is impossible. I have made an enemy of Gowron and every other Klingon in the Empire. All the more reason to stay in Starfleet. This uniform will only serve to remind me of how I have disgraced myself in the eyes of my people. I suppose I could get a berth on a Nybride Alliance cruiser. They are always eager to hire experienced officers. The Nybride Alliance? That's a long way. What about your son? Alexander is much happier living with his grandparents on Earth than he ever was staying with me. One thing is certain. The sooner I leave here, the better. My continued presence on Deep Space Nine would only be a liability to Captain Sisko and his dealings with the Klingons. Do you hear that, Chief? 72 decibels. Music to my ears. I think I liked it better when it was quiet. You want quiet? Go to the Replomat. This is Quarks. The way Quarks should be. The way it was meant to be. Am I glad we finally got rid of all those Klingons? Uh, present company accepted, of course. Yeah, I like that scene. Uh, it was good to see uh, O'Brien and uh, Worf together and that connection back to TNG in this uh, in this episode, and it continues throughout uh, uh, the later episodes with uh, Worf staying on Deep Space Nine. Uh, back to the main uh, story. Well, actually, one more clip here that's sort of a little more of a side note. Garrick has a nice little scene with Quark. They don't really put those two characters together very often, but this one, uh, everyone's kind of off, uh, you know, fighting the fight and... Uh, Quark uh, is there at the bar in his place, and, and Garrick wanders in, and they have this interesting discussion about root beer. So listen to this. Might I trouble you for a glass of canard? Help yourself. It's on the house. Well, how uncharacteristically generous of you. I'm in an uncharacteristic mood. Besides, I got 80 cases of this stuff sitting in my stockroom. And the way things are going, I'll never unload another bottle, unless it's to you. How thoughtless of me not to consider the effect the destruction of my home world would have on your business. These must be trying times for you. Be brave. I should have listened to my cousin, Gala. He said to me, Quark, I got one word for you. Weapons. No one ever went broke selling weapons. But did I take his advice? No. And why not? Because I'm a people person. I like interacting with my customers like you and I are doing right now. Talking to each other, getting to know one another. I can see the attraction for you. But when you're dealing in weapons, buyers aren't interested in casual conversation. They just want their merchandise, no questions asked. So impersonal. Your charms would be wasted. Exactly. Oh, sorry. I must have, uh, when I recorded that, I cut off the discussion. Right after that, they talk about root beer. Uh, Quark offers uh, Garrick uh, a little drink of root beer, and he says it's a human drink, and they say how it's so bubbly and fun and sweet and just like the humans are, and I, I found that kind of funny. But then the war the weapon discussion is, is pretty interesting, too, where Quark uh, 
says, boy, I'm a bartender because I'm such a people person. You know, he's he's telling Garrick, you know, how his what was it? His brother or his cousin is in the weapon business and he should have listened to him and done that, too. Uh, good, good stuff there. And those are two great, uh, great characters, great actors for that scene. Then we move on in the episode. There's uh, the Defiants out there fighting, trying to rescue some Cardassian, uh, uh, the leaders there that um, Gul Dukat got away from, got off of Cardassian. The Defiant rescues them, is bringing them back to Deep Space Nine. And then uh, there's a scene aboard. Now they're all back uh, with the Cardassians on Deep Space Nine, and the Klingons show up and are trying to sort of take them back. And uh, this is a point uh, where. Uh, there's sort of a standoff here between the Klingons and, and the Federation and Cisco, and Cisco informs uh, them uh, that they've made a few little upgrades to a Deep Space Nine in the last year or so. So listen to this. History is written by the victors. Consider what you're doing, Captain. The lives of everyone on your station are at risk. I'm aware of that. But maybe you're not aware of what you're risking. We've had a year to prepare this station for a Dominion attack, and we're more than ready. <laughs> You're like a toothless old Krishna cat Trying to frighten us with your roar I can assure you This old cat may not be as toothless as you think Right now I've got 5,000 photon torpedoes Armed and ready to launch If you don't believe me Feel free to scan the station It's a trick an illusion created by Thoron Fields and Duranium Shadows. It's no illusion. We shall see. Shashaw! Shashaw! Just cack! He said, today is a good day to die. And then, of course, this leads to this big battle sequence, uh, the last, uh, I don't know, 20 minutes or so of the episode. Very cool effects, uh, probably some of the best stuff that Deep Space Nine ever did up until that point, and then maybe uh, until they got into some of the big Dominion War fighting. They even used to uh, pull down some, which is commonly used for big scenes like that, some some models and some props and things that were just produced for the mass audience, you know, Ertl models of Klingon ships that they blew up for that episode and, and other things. You know, there are a lot of Klingons that beam over and they're fighting in the corridors. Everyone's got a phaser in their hand. So they use some uh, off-the-shelf kind of props and, and toys and things for these various scenes uh, just because, you know, you don't have a lot of big expensive props and models sitting around for all these people to use and ships to blow up uh, that you can't you don't want to you know use for the next episode so so that's what they do and uh some very cool stuff and deep space nine really has been outfitted as a big uh, uh war uh you know war well defensive uh station there because with all the torpedoes and phasers they take out a lot of klingon ships in this episode and then they eventually uh, some other Starfleet ships ships show up, and that dis- makes the Klingons kind of decide, well, maybe we should leave for right now. So they back off a little bit, and uh, and that uh, wraps up the battle, and, and there's still some pretty poor relations by the end of the episode between the Klingons and the Federation. Uh, and that eventually gets resolved later on, but that's a story for another time. One last clip here. This is a fairly long one, about three minutes, three and a half minutes this is kind of the end of the episode, Makes wraps things up, tells you what Worf's going to do and his decisions and that. So listen to this, and I'll be back to wrap up the show. I was trying to escape the pain I felt after my wife's death. 
I thought I could take the uniform, wrap it around that pain, and toss them both away. But it doesn't work like that. Running may help for a little while, but sooner or later the pain catches up with you, and the only way to get rid of it is to stand your ground and face it. But wearing that uniform must remind you of what you have lost. Sometimes. But it also reminds me of what I've gained, and who I am. Oh, I can throw away the uniform, resign my commission, run all the way to the Nibarite Alliance. But it really wouldn't matter. A Starfleet officer. That's what I am. And that's what I'll always be. And you think that is true of me as well? What's important, Mr. Ward, is what you think. I think Starfleet has been my home for many years. Perhaps it still is. There are starships out there that are in need of good officers. In fact, the captain of the venture is a friend of mine. If you'd like, I can talk to him. See if he has an opening for a lieutenant commander. Perhaps that will not be necessary. Lieutenant Commander Worf reporting for duty, sir. Well, you all know our new strategic operations officer. Glad you're here. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations. Assume your post, Mr. Worf. Yes, sir. You look good in red. It feels good. But I have a lot to learn about command. Well, you couldn't ask for a better teacher. Now that everyone is here, I wanted you to know, I've spoken with Ducat and several members of the Ditapa Council. They've returned to Cardassia Prime without incident and wanted me to convey to you their personal thanks. <sighs> Who'd have thought I'd help save the Cardassian government? Don't worry. I'm sure Gull Ducat will take all the credit. <laughs> Poor Garak. Ducat's a hero, and Garak's still stuck in his tailor shop hemming trousers. Captain, I'm receiving a priority one message from Starfleet Intelligence. The Klingons are refusing to give up several of the Cardassian colonies they seized during the invasion. They're fortifying their positions and deploying orbital defense systems. Looks like the Klingons are here to stay. Maybe they are. But so are we. Well, so there you have it. The uh, the Way of the Warrior, uh, the first uh, couple of episodes for Season 4 of Deep Space Nine. Good set of episodes brought Worf into the Deep Space Nine fold and, and added uh, some real dimension, I think, to his character over the the years he would be on Deep Space Nine. Lots of uh, good stuff there. Eventually, you know, he gets married to Jedzia, and that whole thing goes on, and, and just some 
you know, good things for his character to do. And it made it a little weird when he'd pop up in the, you know, in the Next Generation movies. Uh, you know, he'd, he'd run over from Deep Space Nine and and, uh, and end up in those movies. But it's, it, you know, you, you just sort of have to swallow that a little bit and, and let it go. But, uh, again, uh, good set of episodes. I think it's a lot of fun. And, and everyone loves the Klingons. And it, and it seems like any of the Trek episodes, TNG, Deep Space Nine, that brought a lot of Klingons into the picture. Uh, people really get a kick out of those episodes. You know, they create lots of conflict and fights and battles and, and fun stuff like that. But but I like the thing about, you know, Worf here deciding to stay in Starfleet, that that's his home and that's the place he belongs. And even if he ran off to some other little world or in, in some other little, you know, fleet of ships that he was talking about the that he was talking to um, Chief O'Brien about, he, he couldn't really run away from himself. That's not going to solve his issues and his problems. So a good thing. And uh, he's always kind of reminding me a little bit about of like Spock to a degree, just because Spock was always out of place among humans, so was Worf uh, being a Klingon among humans. So I uh, hope you enjoyed this look at Deep Space Nine. I'm going to take a short break here and be back with a quick collectible review. In 2007, imagination took you to a place where you could be a hero, live an adventure, break the rules, find the truth, escape the ordinary, and take a stand. This is your chance to shine. What is that right there? The future. Really? Duh. You never cease to amaze me. Welcome to my world. In 2008, prepare to go even farther. So stay real. All right, let's go. Just imagine where we'll take you next. 2008 is sci-fi. It's time for a collectible review on Treks and Sci-Fi. Okay, before I do my uh, collectible review for the week, I had to mention a few things after the playing that little Sci-Fi Channel ad. Uh, looks like uh, that uh, a couple of shows will be returning, or a new show, actually. Uh, two things uh, from the BBC. Uh, the Sarah Jane Adventures, I think that's the name, sort of a spin-off Doctor Who show. Sarah Jane was uh, one of the Doctor's previous companions on Doctor Who, and they gave her a show, which is going to be starting to show, I think, this Friday night in the States on April 11th on the Sci-Fi Channel on Fridays. I'm not uh, all that up on what this show is all going to be about or or that. I know it's kind of mostly set on Earth, I believe. Uh, but it uh, it looks pretty interesting, and I'll be watching. The other big news is the fourth season of the new Doctor Who will be coming to the Sci-Fi Channel starting on, I believe, April 18th, the week after the Sarah Jane thing starts on April 18th in the States again, at least on the Sci-Fi Channel that will be starting up. And I believe it has already started uh, on in the BBC. So it's kind of nice that finally the BBC in the United States and the Sci-Fi Channel have kind of gotten together and we're only getting things, uh, you know, a few weeks after they're airing uh, on the BBC, we're getting them on the Sci-Fi Channel. So that's nice. Now I don't have to hunt around on BitTorrents to see these things because it used to be it was a, like a year before we would get them over here. So that's that's good. And Torchwood Season 2 is uh, is finishing up now too on the Sci-Fi Channel, which is a great show. They ha- they had a 
an episode that I watched uh, that was on last night here called Adrift, a very emotional episode. Uh, I don't want to say too much again, but uh, about uh, some missing children, and, you know, they're in this area in um, the U.K. of the, that they have the this little thing called the Rift, which is a place where sort of time and space intersects with the Earth and allows things to kind of slip through and also things to be taken away. And uh, it, it's a very, very kind of sad episode in a way, and, but very powerful and uh, uh, one of the best Torchwood episodes that I've seen. So for people that have watched that, uh, uh, great, great stuff there. And uh, Torchwood, a great show as well. So looking forward to all that great stuff from the BBC on the Sci-Fi Channel. All right, as far as a collectible review, uh, I had a few things in mind this week. I, I decided to do uh, another statue. This one I've I've had for... I, I guess I have had this for a few months now. This is a statue of a character called the Magdalena. Uh, this is uh, from a uh, comic book called the Witchblade comic book. Uh, it is a, uh, she kind of fights, uh, she's sort of like a, she used to be a nun, I think, in the comic, and, and now she fights evil. She's sort of like a, a slayer of, of evil creatures and demons, and, and sort of like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer of Buffy had you know, become a nun first, and and uh, it's difficult to explain. But if you're a reader of Witchblade or the Darkness comics, you'll know this character. So this Magdalena is done by the uh, Claiborne Moore Studio. It's a it's a great sculpt. They've done a couple of pieces of her character. Uh, the first one that they did, uh, and now the second one. I didn't get the first. This one's called the Artist Proof version, which is just a different look and version of it. But I think this one's actually a little better looking than the first one they did. The paint application and quality on this is amazing. It's difficult to take very good pictures of it, though, because it sort of has both dark and light areas and glossy and and flat finish used on it. She's basically in black and red is her outfit. And, uh, again, I'll have uh, a picture in the podcast notes and and pictures up on the collectible gallery uh, on the main website that you can see of this character. Just search in the, the statue area and other I think is the next section you have to look in, but I'll, I'll link that up in the podcast notes. But stands about uh, 15 or so inches tall. She's holding a spear. She actually uses the Spear of Destiny, is uh, which uh, which most people know what that is. She uses that as her weapon uh, in the comics, and it, it's a real interesting character, uh, a, a very beautiful statue. Uh, the, again, the paint application and the look of it is, is amazing. A very high high level of talent went into this piece, and it's really very beautiful uh, uh, piece of artwork. I f- I find, even if you don't know the character, I think you can appreciate it if you're a fan of of nice uh, nice statue work and, and art uh, when you see this piece. So, uh, the Magdalena uh, done by Claiborne Moore and and his studio, another great item from them, and uh, a very cool addition to the collection. Okay, folks, that's going to wrap it up for this week's edition of Treks in Sci-Fi. Oh, gosh, Rico, you're you're an idiot. Oh, there I go, third person. Haven't done that in a while. I'm sorry. I apologize. I had a couple of comments that have been sent in for The Way of the Warrior, and I slid right by on those. Oh, my gosh. I And I, they're staring right at me here on, uh, on Winamp that I use to play the clips through. So we will still play those. Sorry about that. Uh, I've got two, one from Dave, uh, Dave Kill on the forums, and one from uh, Rick Moyer. So uh, let's go first with Dave's comments about The Way of the Warrior. Hi, folks. Way of the Warrior was a big turn of events for DS9 that could have been released as a summer movie in theaters. You know, everyone got a chance to shine, and it featured two of my favorite characters, not Cisco or Worf, but Dukat and Garrick. The studio must have had a big budget for this one, 
The battles were awesome. And the Klingons are back in mass. We see now why they don't shake hands, too sore from all the knife-induced blood tests. I think DS9 had the most interesting characters and unlikely friendships. And I'll leave you now with a clip from a favorite scene of mine of Odo and Quirk sparring outside his bar. Come on, Quark, move it along. You should be in the emergency shelter by now. I'm not going to any emergency shelter. This is my bar, and I'm going to defend it. Really? And how do you plan to do that? With this. You're going to hit them with a box? No, this is my disruptor pistol, the one I used to carry in the old days when I was serving on that Ferengi freighter. I thought you were the ship's cook. That's right. Every member of that crew thought he was a food critic. If the Klingons try to get through these doors, I'll be ready for them. Dear Quark, I used parts of your disruptor to fix the replicators. We'll return them soon, Rom. I will kill him. With what? Oh, yeah, that's a great scene there, uh, Dave. I like that one. I listened and watched that when I was going through and collecting my clips, and I was very close to capturing it until uh, it started to add up to a lot of clips for two hours' worth of a show. So thank you for your comments. So sorry that I... I, I kind of skipped by it and did slip it in at my, the end of my discussion of The Way of the Warrior. But, yeah, very interesting uh, things you had to say there about, you know, how Garrick had things to do in Dukat. And, yeah, they definitely pulled all the stops out for the budget and everything for this episode. So thanks for your comments. And next up, uh, some more on The Way of the Warrior from uh, Rick Moyer. Hi, Rico. This is Rick Moyer from Aberdeen, a longtime listener of the podcast, and enjoy the forums at www.treksandsci-fi.com. Hey, I'm really uh, excited that you covered The Way of the Warrior, a Deep Space Nine episode uh, that introduced one of my favorite characters of all time from Star Trek Worf. Uh, He came to live on the station from that point on, and I think that was a great introduction to him. Uh, The Way of the Warrior, the Deep Space Nine episode, is a classic, full of everything we could come to expect from a good Star Trek story. Not only do we see some rich character development with Sisko, Dax, Odo, and the others, but we also get to have Worf back. Uh, This was a shot in the arm for DS9 that they really, really needed, and Michael Dorn didn't disappoint. In my opinion, the series really started shining having him on the show. There were a lot of people that were skeptical about it, but I think it turned out really well to have him on there. Uh, The dart-throwing scene, the holodeck fighting programs are classic. Uh, It brought a little flavor from TNG over into DS9, and I really think it needed that. Um, I also really enjoyed the special effects on this episode with the Klingon fleet and, of course, the introduction of Martok. What a great character. Of course, we get to see him with two eyes. And later on in the series, you know, he, he gets his eye messed up and kind of gross. Uh, oh, and all this knife cutting. That was, what was all, you know, figuring out if they were changelings or not. I thought that was interesting that they always cut their hands and then drip the blood on the on the table. But, of course, later on you didn't see any scars on their hands. So what's up with that? I don't know. Uh, these two episodes really rocked. And they catapulted DS9 into another dimension of storytelling. And that's my two cents about The Way of the Warrior. Great episode. Thanks, Rico, for all that you do. Uh, What a great podcast this is, and uh, what a cool guy you are. So uh, have a good one. Well, thanks for the compliments, Rick, and thanks for your comments about The Way of the Warrior. Yeah, I agree. It really uh, really kind of boosted Deep Space Nine up uh, quite a bit. I don't think they needed it, you know, really per se, you know, but it it just, it just really kind of made everything come together. Kind of like what happened in the middle of TNG when, when they got some of the new writers aboard and how that show started to really cook around season three and four. So, so there you go. Sorry, I didn't slip those in at the end of the, uh, the way of the warrior. I could have gone back and re-edited and re-recorded, but I know you guys understand. So I didn't, uh, 
didn't want to leave you out. Uh, I don't know how that happened. I, I guess I got uh, excited about talking about the collectible review or I don't know what, but I'm usually a little better about that. So hope you'll forgive me that I didn't have them in at the exact right spot for this uh, this podcast this week. Uh, we'll uh, we'll be back next week, of course, with another look at. Uh, I believe I'll probably be just doing another Star Trek oriented, another pick another episode, and look at that uh, for next week's show. I've got a few ideas for some uh, different episodes, different podcasts to do. I, it seemed like most people really enjoyed the last week's episode about uh, the '50s style sci-fi movies, and I like to slip those in now and then. But then now I want to get back to doing Trek for a few weeks in a row, and then we'll we'll slip a couple special ones in here in a couple of weeks. So uh, if anyone ever has a suggestion about uh, a, a special podcast they'd like me to see, some special topic they'd like covered, please uh, you know email me, treksf at gmail.com, and let me know. I'm always open to suggestions about uh, special podcasts or movies uh, or, or even particular episodes you'd like to hear me cover sometime. Always open for suggestions. So, again, uh, I hope everyone's enjoyed this week's episode, and uh, you'll check out the website, the forums. Lately, I'll have to mention that uh, I'm I'm not sure if a lot of people listening to the podcast fall into this category, but uh, for the uh, Treks and Sci-Fi forums, just go to treksandsci-fi.com, click on the forum link. I've seen a lot of guests in the forums, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, a couple of dozen, like 20, 24, 25 guests you know, and there's seven or eight members that are that are logged on as well. And all I have to say is if you're a listener of the podcast and you haven't signed up and joined the forums, uh, you should really do that. Uh, there's a great group of people there. Lots of cool uh, things are discussed about the movies, TV, Trek, Star Wars, just, just everything in between. Lots of good stuff. And we've got the RPG game going, which is really going well. Uh, again, just, uh, you know, join up. It's really easy. Just register. You'll get a little email back to you that you have to do a confirmation on to get full access to the forum. So make sure to watch for that if you do register for the forum that you'll have to, uh, you know, click that link. You'll get back on an email on the email address you enter. That's uh, That will give you full access to the forum and all the fun there. So check that out when you get a chance. I think that's it. I will talk to everyone again next time. Bye-bye for now. No. Come on. <laughs> Pretend I'm not, like we're singing. I'm not singing. We're not. No, I'm not singing. You record it. And you could say that right there, and that would be funny. I know. That's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> I'm creating comedy. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to You're create comedy. Sing. Yes. Well, no, I'm trying to create comedy like right now. I know. That's, As we that's funny. <laughs> that's funny. I'm helping you create comedy. This is Angela. <laughs> and this is Jen. We're from the Anomaly Podcast. You're listening to Rico on Treks and Sci-Fi. <laughs> For more information on Treks and Sci-Fi, visit the Treks and Sci-Fi website at www.treksandsci-fi.com. This has been a Rico.com.